awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The word of God for the people of God. So a couple of weeks ago, I went to the, the afternoon matinee showing of, of Little Women. Uh, it was, it was a, a unique experience for me. Uh, there was me in the theater and then a whole bunch of 80-year-old women. And, and <laughs> this week, I went to a matinee afternoon showing of Star Wars. It was a little bit of a different crowd. Uh, Mary Robinson was there uh, representing the United Methodist Women. Thank you, Mary, for being so brave. Lori Russell was there. Lori, who takes care of our, our library. Uh, and, and you can meet her down there after worship if you like. Lori was there. But other than Mary and Lori, it was, it was a theater full of, of crusty-looking Gen X men with beards. Uh, and so, so I fit right in. I felt, I felt right at home this, this time around. And, of course, that's not surprising, right, because crusty-looking Gen X men with beards, we are the core target demographic of the entire, entire Star Wars saga. I, I grew up with Star Wars. Star Wars was the very first movie I ever went to. The year was 1970. I was seven months old, and my parents put a playpen in the back of their old green Chevy van, and they took me to a drive-in movie theater in Ainsworth, Nebraska. My, my mother tells me I had a great time at the movie. I don't remember. I have to take her word for it. But I do remember growing up with the Star Wars movies, and especially that very first movie, right? Lots of other Star Wars movies came out. And the critics will tell you that the, the second one, The Empire Strikes Back, is the best of, of the bunch. My friends at school, they liked Return of the Jedi with those little teddy bear-shaped Ewok things. But for me, the, the story that I kept coming back to over and over again, the movie that I watched over and over again growing up was that very first Star Wars movie. And there was one moment in particular in that movie where I just wore out the tape on my family's VHS uh, recording of the movie growing up. There was one moment in particular that always gave me goosebumps, right? So at the very beginning of that first Star Wars movie, we meet this young man, Luke Skywalker. And Luke Skywalker is growing up on this, this middle-of-nowhere desert planet called Tatooine. And, and Luke is a farm boy. He's being raised by his, his aunt and uncle on this farm. And he has this boring and predictable and ordinary existence. And what Luke Skywalker wants more than anything else is to escape from that farm, escape from his family, escape from that middle-of-nowhere planet. He knows that there is a battle for the fate of the universe happening up there among the stars, and he longs to get off this planet and join that battle, to have adventures and, and become independent. And there's a moment early on in that very first movie when, when Luke Skywalker, one evening after dinner, walks out to the edge of the farm, and he, he stands on a ridge, and he looks up at the sky, and he watches both of the suns of the planet Tatooine as they're, they're beginning to set. And as Luke Skywalker looks up there at those two suns setting on the horizon, a, a French horn begins to play. I 
I still get goosebumps, right? When I hear that, when I hear that song, I still, I still get goosebumps. Thank you, Kevin. It's good to have a spare French horn player around the church on Sunday morning. Right? In, in that moment, as Luke Skywalker watches the sunset, we can feel his yearning. We can feel his longing to get away from the farm, to escape from this, this ordinary life. He just, wants to, he just wants to go. And then here we are, almost 50 years later, nine movies later, and finally that story that began with Luke Skywalker watching the sunset, finally that story has got a conclusion. It's come to its ending. And the Star Wars story has also got a, a whole new hero Three movies ago, back in 2015, we met a, a new hero for this latest Star Wars trilogy, a young woman by the name of Rey. And the thing that is so fascinating to me about Rey, the thing that is so interesting to me about where the Star Wars story has gone is that Rey, in the last three movies of the Star Wars saga, her dreams and her longings and her yearnings and her quest are exactly the opposite of Luke Skywalker's dreams and yearnings and his longing and his quest. When we first meet Ray, she is this, this mysterious young woman who, who doesn't know very much about her past or where she came from. Ray doesn't really have a family. She was abandoned by her parents as a child. She was raised by strangers who barely cared about her, and so she's learned how to be tough and, and independent. When we first meet Ray, she's making a living as a, a scavenger, picking through shipwrecks to find scrap and, and salvage, and she has learned to take care of herself. But deep down inside, when we first meet Ray, we learn that she has this secret yearning. She has this longing, this dream to find the answers about who she is and where she came from. She has this dream that one day she will discover who her family is, who her parents were, that one day maybe even she will be reunited with her parents and she will finally have a family and a name and a place to call home. She is looking for all of the things that Luke Skywalker has at the very beginning of the very first Star Wars movie. And so throughout the course of three movies, we follow Ray on this quest to discover who she is and where she came from. And now in this last Star Wars movie, we finally get all of the answers that Ray has been looking for. She finds out who she is, who her parents were, what the story is. And instead of a happy reunion, that quest, it only leads to heartbreak and pain. At the end of that quest, Ray discovers that the story of her family is a story of tragedy and violence and evil and suffering. She discovers that there's not going to be any happy gathering with her parents. She's not going to move back in with her family and, and make a home there. And so at the end of this last Star Wars movie, when the battle for the fate of the universe has finally been decided, Ray has to make a decision. What do I do now? Where do I go? What is my quest now? And what does Ray do at the end of the movie? Where does she go? She goes back to the place where this whole story started. She goes to that middle of nowhere desert planet where Luke Skywalker grew up, the planet of Tatooine. She goes back to the farm where he grew up. She goes back to the abandoned farmhouse that he used to call home when he was a boy. She moves into that abandoned farmhouse. She starts calling herself Ray Skywalker. She meets the neighbors. She makes a home for herself there. And how does the movie end? Ray, at the very end of the movie, walks out to the edge of the farm and she stands on a ridge and she looks up at the sky and looks up at the, the two suns of the planet hovering there in the sky. And as she looks up into the sky, a French horn begins to play.
and then the credits come up, bump, 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 bump. I got goosebumps this time too, right? Every, every time I hear that, that theme, that song, that John Williams score, I get goosebumps. Ray looks up at the sky and we know that her quest is over because she finally has everything that she has been looking for. She has a, a home and a family and a name for herself. She has embraced everything that Luke Skywalker was trying to run away from at the beginning of that very first Star Wars movie. And this, to me, is so fascinating. The question I want to ask today is, what happened between 1978 and 2020? What happened between then and today that the hero of this movie in 1978 was trying to escape from his home, escape from his name, escape from his family, and the hero of the movie now is just trying to find a home, find a name, find a family? What changed between 1978 and today? As I watched this movie for the third time this week, I couldn't help but feel that this movie is telling us something important, something that we need to hear about what is happening in this moment in our society, in this moment in history. And so I wrestled with that question all this week. I talked to a bunch of Star Wars nerds, and I talked to a bunch of pastors. I discovered that there's a lot of overlap between those two groups. I talked to a lot of of Star Wars nerds who were pastors and pastors who were Star Wars nerds. And I did some research, and I came up with a, a theory. I think I know now what this movie is telling us about this moment that you and I are living in, what happened between 1978 and today. I want to lay this out with for you and see see if it makes sense to you see if you agree with me so so here's what was happening back in 1978 the the world had just experienced the the moon landing we were less than a decade removed from Neil Armstrong taking the first the first steps on the moon and in 1970s maybe some of you are old enough to remember the 1970s in the 1970s there was this profound social change that was happening the GI generation the people who were born in the early 1900s were were just beginning to retire And as the GI generation started to look to retirement, they discovered that retirement for them didn't have to be what it had been for every generation that ever came before them. Up until the 1970s, retirement was what happened when grandma got too old to live by herself. And so she moved back in with her kids and with her grandkids. Then her family would take care of her until until, uh, they, they had a funeral at the church. That was what retirement meant up until the 1970s. But then as the GI generation started to retire, they suddenly discovered that they had access to wealth and technologies that no, no generation that had ever come before them had meant. When they started planning their retirement, instead of thinking about moving in with their family, the, the GI generation started thinking about getting on an airplane and exploring the world and buying an RV and traveling the country. As the GI generation started to retire, we started to see the rise of a whole new way of living that had never existed before. People started building what were called independent living facilities. And, and And it wasn't just the seniors who were dreaming of independence. Entire generations of young people in places like Menominee, Michigan, where I grew up, and Ainsworth, Nebraska, started moving away from the small towns where they were raised. They started moving away from the farms that their families had lived in for a 100 years, going to places where there was more opportunity and more adventure. Back in the 1970s, all of us were Luke Skywalker. All of us were dreaming of independence and adventure. And then... What happened in the next 40, 50 years? What happened? What happened was this. Those adventures didn't go the way we thought they were going to go. And independence didn't turn out to be what we thought it was going to be. We got older 
We got crusty. We got cynical. We grew beards. This is literally what happens to Luke Skywalker in the Star Wars saga. In, in the last trilogy of, of the Star Wars movies, in these last three movies, we meet Luke Skywalker, no longer a young man, now grown up. And what has happened to Luke Skywalker? All of those adventures, all of that independence have left him bitter and disillusioned. And so he has moved. Literally, he is living on an island far away from any other people. He is overcome by bitterness and cynicism and loneliness most of all. Luke Skywalker, when we meet him in these latest movies, he has become lonely. He has discovered that when you sow the seeds of independence, you reap a harvest of loneliness and that is what has happened to all of those Luke Skywalkers from the 1970s. We sowed sowed the seeds of independence and we now are reaping a harvest of loneliness. Sociologists and psychologists tell us that right now in 2020, at this moment in history, we are living through something they are calling a loneliness epidemic. Studies are telling us that all around the world, rates of human loneliness have doubled in the last 50 years. And this loneliness epidemic touches people of every demographic group. This loneliness epidemic has seen rates of increasing loneliness of people of every gender, every ethnicity, every race, every geographical location. This loneliness epidemic even affects people who live with other people, especially single parents and guardians report increasing rates of loneliness. And you might think that our our technology would find a way to save us. You might think that all of these smartphones that we have and all of the social media that we've invented would be connecting us more deeply with each other. But in fact, studies tell us that just the opposite is happening. The more often you check into social media, the more time you spend on social media, the more likely you are to report deep feelings of loneliness. This loneliness epidemic is affecting people of every age. Half of the people over the age of 65 in the United Kingdom report that their primary source of companionship is a pet or a television set. And this loneliness epidemic is increasingly acute among the younger generations. In a study in 2016, young people said that their number one fear in life is loneliness, particularly young women. Millennial women say, 42% of millennial women say they are more afraid of loneliness than they are of a cancer diagnosis. What all of these studies, what all of this information and data are telling us is that we are surrounded by people like Ray. We are living now in a world that is filled with people who are longing for nothing more than a family and a name and a place to call home. We are surrounded by people who are looking for the very things that we all gave up back in the 1970s. We are surrounded by people who are yearning to find exactly the kind of community that we find described in this morning's scripture reading. So in today's scripture reading, we get a a glimpse into what the earliest moments, the earliest days of the church were like. Way back at the beginning of the Christian faith. The Gospels tell us that during his ministry, Jesus gathered a group of people together. And he taught them to live in a way that was unlike the way anyone had lived up until that moment in human history. Jesus taught them how to share what they had with each other. He taught them how to forgive one another. He taught them how to to love each other in a deep and authentic way. And then after the resurrection and after God poured out the Holy Spirit upon the followers of Jesus, the followers of Jesus tried to put those teachings into practice. 
The followers of Jesus tried to live in the way that Jesus had taught them. And the book of Acts gives us the description of of what that looked like. What does the book of Acts tell us about that moment in the life of the church? It tells us that they were together. All of the believers were together. They spent time together. They broke bread together. They sat at the table together. They shared meals together. They went to one another's houses and spent evenings and days together. They worshipped together. They gave thanks to God together. They shared every Everything that they had with each other and nobody held anything back. There was this powerful feeling of togetherness in that earliest day of the church. People worked hard at being together and the result of all of that hard work at togetherness was that they were filled with gladness and their numbers increased day after day after day. God kept adding to the number of people who were being saved from the brokenness of this world, saved from the loneliness of the world by the togetherness of this community that Jesus had planted They grew because they, even then as now, were surrounded by people who are longing for nothing more than a family and a name and a place to call home. Maybe that describes you. Maybe you you have felt that yearning, that longing for a family and a name and a place to call home. Maybe you know what the loneliness epidemic feels like from, from the inside. And if that describes you, if you know what I mean when I say loneliness epidemic, then I am so glad that you are here today. I'm glad that God sent you to Court Street United Methodist Church. And I want you to know that we want to be your family. And we will learn your name. And you never again have to wonder if there is a place where you belong, a place that you can call home. I am so glad God sent you to us. And if that doesn't describe you, If you don't struggle with feelings of loneliness, if God has filled your life with an abundance of deep relationships and friends who know you and call you by name, then I thank God for that. I praise God for that. And I'm glad that you are here today too because I have a challenge for you. There's there's a question that I want to ask you. Those of you who who have been blessed with this abundance of deep community and relationships, the question I want to ask is this. When was the last time you asked somebody to come out to lunch with you after worship on a Sunday? When was the last time that you worked at learning somebody's name on a Sunday morning, worked hard enough at it that you were able to remember it the next Sunday morning when you saw that person again in the pews? When was the last time that you invited a neighbor to go out to lunch? When was the last time you invited a neighbor to come have dinner at your house? When was the last time you invited a neighbor to go out for coffee? When was the last time you offered to drive one of your neighbors to worship on Sunday morning? When was the last time you, when was the last time we looked around and bothered to notice that we are surrounded by people, people beloved by God, people who are longing for nothing more than a family and a name and a place to call home. Let's pray. God, we pray. We pray that you would give us eyes to see the lonely people all around us. And we pray that you would give us faith to believe that you live the lonely person who lives inside of us. God, we pray that this church would continue to be a place of deep and authentic community. A place where people work hard at learning each other's names. A place where we sit at the table and break bread together. A place where we share of what we have. That no one would ever have to be lonely here. God, we give you thanks for the blessings of this church family. We pray for that day to come when all of the people in this world that you love will know what it's like to be loved like this. In Jesus we pray. Amen.